ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Thank you, producer Mr. E. Thank you, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you and the audience. So we're going to start this week by making a correction to last week's episode. What? We said something false last week? Uh, no, kind of misleading. Uh, if you remember last week, we talked about... Um, <laughs> not, uh, we would never do that. We talked about fish eggs passing through a duck and then uh, still being a, a small margin of them were still able to hatch. Yes, which is true. That, yep. Um, which is a true statement. And then I brought up a, uh, a story about a monkey that eats coffee beans and poops gold. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Yes, I even made the quote because I was so, <laughs> or, I was so fascinated by the idea of that. So it's not a monkey; it's a cat-like thing, and it's actually called oh. an Asian palm civet. So whoa, bro! It's not monkey poop anymore. It's like a cat-like poop. Well, I'm does, out. Does I'm that out. make it better for what I'm about to tell you? <laughs> um. So yeah, it eats coffee cherries, which is like a cluster of coffee beans. And then um, as the beans pass through its system, it ferments them, which is, I guess, cool, adds flavor to it or something. Which is nice. (laughs) Yeah. And adds a little certain something. Yeah, exactly. And then what they do is they collect the poop and clean off the beans and grind them down and sell them. For seven hundred dollars per kilogram. If it's that much, they better be putting that shit in their mouth and cleaning it that way. Because <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's a lot. Yeah, the brand is a uh, Kopi Luwak, and it exists, my friend. You were you were very hesitant last week. I just wanted to make you make you. Well, very first of all, you are a liar. You said it was monkey poop. Now it's a cat-like creature, which is actually even better, I think, because uh, I think. I bet you a cat-like creature's poop is cuter and more palatable than a fucking gross monkey poop. <laughs> Have you ever interacted with monkey poop? I mean, monkey poop's kind of more like human poop, I'd imagine, and human poop's not appetizing. You almost want like a uh, – you said a small cat-like creature, so I'm almost imagining like a rallet, uh, like a like a nice rabbit pellet-like poopy thing. Oh. And so, you know what I mean? And then the, the, the bean comes out all perfect with a, with a little, a slight poop coating. And then you just, you know, throw that shit in boiling acid and <laughs> shit, I'm sure it's fine. But now, I don't want to drink it. Do you, I mean, do you, is it good? <laughs> well, this poop reminds me more of, um, like, you know, those commercials where they show you how the chocolate bar is made. They show you all the ingredients and mm-hmm. I think it's payday. It's just a big caramel nut thing until it gets coated in chocolate. Okay. It's pretty much the caramel I nut concoction before yeah, okay. the chocolate. Mm-hmm. It is kind of cute. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get too intense. Like, I probably could talk about this for the whole hour, but I'm sitting there like, why is it good? Why is it good? Okay. Like, what makes it good? So here's what makes it good. Um, I did some research into this, and there are taste tests that were conducted, blind taste tests, and uh, the experts have essentially weighed in on it. And I have uh, three quotes here. Okay. One of them quoted it as uh, thin-bodied. So I'm not much of a coffee drinker. Is anyone here a coffee drinker? I drink coffee, but I don't. I don't. Mr. E, I mean, you're I don't nodding. Know what thin-bodied mean. Big coffee drinker. Yep. Okay. Um, what, what does thin-bodied mean? I guess if I had to guess, it said just sounds like weak coffee. But okay. 
Yeah, I would assume it is just kind of weak coffee. Um, mm-hmm. They also said distinctly different. And then the last quote here is just bad. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, thanks. That's all I needed to hear. Uh-huh. So ultimately, it's a fad. And it, it, according to the experts of coffee, it's not really worth any trouble. It's not worth $700 for a It's not worth coffee. feeding it to a, a cat and collecting its poop and all that stuff? Well, that's that's PETA's stance on this whole issue. Well, hey, I I applaud them for at least trying something new, right? Because there's not many boundaries left to cross in the cooking world. So they're like, what if we <laughs> cook someone's shit? <laughs> and that's a bold. They're they're adventurers in my mind, even though they're wrong. There's no such thing as wrong in science. Yeah, and PETA kind of ended up on my shit list when they went after Pokemon. That pissed me off. Oh, PETA's weird. PETA's really weird. I was reading an article, and it had a very bold claim, but so I'm going to describe it. I'll say the claim, and then I'll describe it, even though I guess I agree with them, but, I mean, it's a new theory. But um, astronomers have found the source of life in the universe. Okay. Astronomers have found the source of life in the universe. So Huge. It sounds – it's definitely a grabbing title, right? Of course, yeah, I, I read it right away. Because the only life we know of in the universe is here on Earth. Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, so here's here's what it is. I actually read the article, and I guess in some way it's like um, it's almost like the Obi Wan thing. Like, oh, it was true from a certain point of view. <laughs> certain point of view. Like, and then it's this whole like whatever. So basically, they're saying um, they think they might figure out the source. They figured out the source of the carbon <clears throat> that's happening in the universe itself. The what? Carbon. Carbon. Oh. You know, like an element on the on the table and. Uh-huh. Carbon is an essential thing in life as we know it because it's like an essential building block of all the elements that create us. Like carbon is literally like the the structure that holds everything else together. Mm. And so this is a a big thing that we think has to like have be life, even though I've heard of like silicon, silicon life and stuff, but even though you've never found that. So anyway, so can you theorize what, how this much carbon got out there? Yeah, go for it because I'll tell you what they the new theory is, but it seems pretty good. But yeah, you. I'm assuming it was a mass ejection from some big ass star that carbon was the heaviest element it could produce. Yeah, yeah. you're not as dumb as I tell people. <laughs> See? Right? It is from the stars. I'm going right. to make that a Sean original. <laughs> I like that line. <laughs> well, I probably stole it from someone else. So, um, but. You're right in that it comes from stars. Carbon comes from the stars. Uh, you've heard the line, we were, we're all made of stardust. Uh-huh. That's because all the, all the elements, as we know, are cooked in these stars, blah, 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 blah. But supposedly scientists were, have been sitting there debating on which stars are making all the carbon. And the theory was the, the supernovas, where they just, like, explode and, and, and make the emissions, kind of like what you're describing. Okay. But a new theory is saying that it's the white dwarfs, the white dwarf stars that are all over the galaxy. Okay. So what is a white dwarf? So basically a white dwarf is a hot, dense stellar remain that uh, with a temperature of 100,000 Kelvin. And basically uh, over billions of years, these stars cool and eventually dim as they shed their outer material. And these are 90% of all stars in the universe. I even read that our star is going to do this. And remember the whole red thing? I think there's more into that where it's going to first expand and okay. become a red giant and then use up all its fuel and then white dwarf, I believe. I'm going to have to 
to double check that. And but I think that's what's going to happen. A bunch of stuff into space. And, and then once it gets, and then at one point when it's a white dwarf, like before the end of its life, it ejects a bunch of stuff. Here, let me get you the smarter way to say that because, um, yeah. So right before they collapse, the remains, the remains are transported through space by winds, uh-huh. space winds, solar um, winds, yeah. That yeah. Are, yeah, that originate from their bodies. So they're saying the stars themselves are creating the very solar wind that their remains are traveling on. Yeah. And so these are the stellar ashes that are making these carbon. And we've talked about stellar ashes before on the show. That's right. We did. It's the you reason it's the reason astronauts say uh, space smells like steak and that is the, char, yes. essentially, is because the sun is ejecting a lot of carbon uh, constantly, and that gets uh, stuck on an astronaut's space suit and tools. And then once they reenter the environment, there's a distinct smell to all of that. Everything you're saying, so much yes. That is what's supposedly happening. And so now these white dwarfs, I guess, are doing that. I mean, I guess you said the stars the stars are emitting the carbon, but then at some point the white dwarfs are just like emitting like a, even a, a bigger version of that before they just kind of become dim pieces of shit, huh. for, lack, for lack of a better smart term, basically. So and, there's, yeah. there's so much carbon out there. Is that kind of why we theorize that all life must be carbon? Granted, there's the sci-fi theory that silicon life exists but and it, it, it's interesting because there's this is essentially reinforcing the idea that there's so much carbon out there that most life is probably carbon-based yeah carbon-based life type of deal exactly and i mean obviously we're thinking that way because we are carbon-based and so i think it, it is a very earth-based spot but you know it's almost like hey if this trend continues here you'd think it could happen out there and that's all we have to go on until we get more evidence but uh, one thing from this uh, little article I liked is it talked about just um, the most abundant chemicals in the universe. And, and uh, get your thinking caps on. We're going to do a mini little think test for a second. Okay. Uh, so about the most abundant chemicals in the universe. And I'll say it again. Chemicals. What do you think the top, the top five most abundant chemicals in the universe? Or let's say elements, I guess. Okay. Um, yeah. Is it an element? Yeah, or or are, we, are we talking about I'd water element, here? Funny, this is a chemical, but it's element. It's element. The top top four elements in the universe okay i mean i'm top five top five i'm sorry top five and i'll tell you this because carbon is the fourth and then i want you guys to try to figure out the other five if you can really quick so i don't want to take too much time on this Uh, but back to what you're saying well back i said give you time to think but like back to what you're saying is since carbon is the fourth most abundant element in the universe it's almost another thing where they're saying hey if life is built off carbon here and we know it's in the universe everywhere they're almost just making that assumption that life is carbon based. So anyway, do you think what do you what do you think the other what do you think the number one, two, and three, and then the fifth spot are? Well, I'm looking no. up a periodic table here because I'm guessing it's the top five, and I wanted to be able to list them, but these images are so tiny. Whoa! Do I have to start saying, "Hey, no Google searches on this"? I think you do. Fucking shit, like <laughs> well, Jesus! Well, automatically, dude. I'm going to say hydrogen Whoa. because that is okay. number one, and it's the easiest element that a star can create. Or I guess hydrogen just starts as hydrogen and then creates the other elements. For um, sure. I'll say you're right on that one. Number one is hydrogen. Helium. Right here. Okay. That actually is number two. Uh, lithium? That is nowhere on this list, no. Oh. What is L? So you got the first two. Oxygen. He's right on that one. Oh. That's the third. 
Um, and then we have carbon. And then what do you think the fifth one is? Fifth one has to be. Oh, um, I think like I had the answer in front of me, but I think if I didn't, I think Einsteinium. <laughs> I think this one's kind of hard. This one's kind of hard, even though you've heard of it. I think it's hard. Is it so I'll iron? Give, I'll give you. I'll give you. No. No. One more guess. One more guess. Just out of your balls. One more guess. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say um, neon. That is it. You. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Was that out of your balls? Were you looking at that fucking... I, I was not looking it up. <laughs> okay. I had that in my head, right. but I was like, I think it's too far down on the oh, periodic table. yeah. That was good. That, made the, that was it, really. That's it, really. But, like, I I like the idea. Like I said, they're saying it's the source of life in the universe, and on some level, it's like, yes, it, it could be. It is, but, it's, you know, it's kind of a clickbaity title, but still a good article. Yeah, fun. Well, so, actually, I've got another timely article here that... Um, I guess we could have covered on last week's episode. We record on Thursdays. And uh, last week, um, Thursday, July 2nd, a meteor fell over Japan. Did you hear about this? I've heard about the UFO over Japan. Well, I told you about that one, too. Yeah, This is a uh, straight-up meteor that um, lit up the sky and then abruptly vanished. This is July 2nd? July 2nd, around 2.30 a.m. Okay. It could be seen from the Kanto region. Unfortunately, uh, Galar, Unova, and Alola were what unable Pokemon to see. What Pokemon grow it. there? What Pokemon are from there? <laughs> the original 151. See, I'm glad you. Kanto's I, real. <laughs> I didn't know if you would got that. Yeah, Kanto is real, and I didn't know okay. if you would get that. And so I brought. I I made that second joke about Galar, Unova, and Alola, and I thought, you know, if Max doesn't get it. So what? 3% of the audience might. <laughs> so I was just going to move on with it. Okay. I just know Kanto. All those other ones I wouldn't have known. It's fun. You can see the video on the internet of this thing. It's uh, it's really well framed. <laughs> Surprisingly well framed for a video. The, the video starts by just looking at the sky. And then all of a sudden you see a bright light from the upper right corner streak across through the clouds down and get more clear. And less diffused by the clouds, and then it just kind of breaks apart in the left corner, and it's gone. Epic. But the the only reason I kind of bring that up is uh, a couple weeks ago we did a story on um, how Earth the is fireball detector thing. Well, yeah, kind of, and how Earth is passing through a especially asteroid rich area right now, and so we are going to see lots of these uh, shooting stars and meteors. Mm-hmm. We have to like cat. So you're saying to cash in on the wishes now? Yeah, absolutely. Start thinking of your wishes, people. Multiple wishes are starting to are starting to be able to come true. And then this story reminded me of your. Uh, I think you reported on this back in June 5th. Uh, an asteroid called 2020 LD came so close to Earth that it was within the moon's orbit. Do you remember that? I remember talking about the asteroid that like hit Turkey in like the 1920s and that and killed a guy. I remember talking about that one, and then uh-huh. from that article, I talked about like there's a detection system or like a fireball database, but I don't necessarily recall that particular one. Oh well, this one freaked me out. I thought you did it, so I didn't go too much into it. But um, on June 5th, a asteroid passed so close to Earth that it was within the moon's orbit. It was uh-huh. uh, of decent size. I don't think it was a world ender, but the whole scary part about it was we didn't know it was coming and we barely detected it on it when it was passing us. 
Not well, barely. I'm going to tell you something. If you worry about those little things, you're going to don't don't never study further into that shit. That shit happens all the time, man. <laughs> that's just happening. That's happened multiple times when your grandpappy was here and your grand. I, I'm not saying hey, one can't hit. It could, but. And another thing I thought was interesting is the June 5th date and this asteroid possibly colliding with Earth was very close to the uh, Mayan calendar and the Julian calendar and how all that worked out. Mm-hmm. And audience, I'm, universe. I'm sorry if you're a little lost here, but you really got to listen to all the episodes to gain all this knowledge. Yeah, this is not an episodic show anymore. This has become a, a long plot line that keeps going. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to listen to the beginning and get like the origins of our characters before they meld into what they become now. So I was reading, uh, believe it or not, another article. And this one's about artificial cartilage. Okay. Oh, done, 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 done. Um, and I, that already exists, but they've, there's coming out. Basically, it's a new material that's come out that's a. Uh, an artificial cartilage that's strong enough to work in knees, which is kind of insane, pretty big deal. Because uh, right now, everything we have is like metal and just things. But like, if you got a knee replacement right now, it would last maybe, maybe 10, 20 years before you have to get another knee replacement. Really? And, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, because well, joints, when they, they're like working on each other, this cartilage is almost like the buffer between them. And right now, we have no way to like, create and a cartilage metal on metal grinds on it and yeah i mean obviously I'm, I'm stupid i'm not a doctor and i'm sure there's more to this than i'm talking about but that's kind of the basic idea of what our joint replacements are now but this new material is coming out and it's already like coming out that's what's cool about this isn't like some theory like oh maybe one day even though it's still you know three or four or five years out it's still it's coming out and so here's what it is so they finally developed a material that can match cartilage found in the body. So it's like almost the same, if not better, than the cartilage that we already have. And it's a hydrogel. Do you so know what a hydrogel is? You, better you than most cartilage. Of... It is. It is better than most cartilage. That's a way to, good way to put it. I don't know what hydrogel is. I don't really know either. But basically, <laughs> <laughs> like they're like, it's all about hydrogels with this thing. And the hydrogels, it's all made of polymers. You know what a polymer is, I'm sure. I'm not sure I know the technical definition i think it's a concoction of sorts i'd say that too so this 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 new material is made of three different polymers and they don't even say what the polymers are they just call them one two and three so, so this is all very like, i like it very okay. it's very basic like we're talking about some scientific shit but it's very basic so so basically this new cartilage is a hydrogel and the main ingredients are three polymers one polymer is made of spaghetti like strands hmm. intertwined and they're intertwined with the second polymer that's less flexible and more basket-like. So we got a spaghetti-like one and a basket-like one, okay. one and two. Then we have a third one made of cellulose fibers, and it acts as a mesh holding everything together. So I know you're going to like, what does that mean? I'm gonna, let me read you this next paragraph. I think it makes sense. I view this like a, like a like a uh, exploded view of a shoe and how many different layers a shoe has. You know, like oh, the sole. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, and this is like in the human body and stuff, but like, I'm going to read you what it says first, but basically for lack of a better term, it's like these three polymers all work together to create like a, a device that's fluid, like, but it will retain its shape and not be all fucked up. And so when this material is stretched, the third polymer keeps the gel intact. And then when it's squeezed, polymers one and two with negative charges running along their length, repel each other and stick to water. So the original shape can be restored. 
So the three working together with stretching and squishing all keep each other together. These polymers, whatever the fuck a polymer even is, is it like I thought a polymer was almost like a epoxy, if you will, but like a be- like a better one. It's got to be like a <laughs> synthetic concoction. Mystery. Can you look up maybe a, a polymer yeah. is a substance that has a molecular structure consisting chiefly or entirely of a large number of similar units bonded together. See, even then, I don't get what a polymer is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I'm glad it's just like, that's why this article dubbed the dead, like, polymer one, stupid, polymer two. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. No, appreciate that. No, that's awesome. But like, so yeah, I guess these hydrogels made of the polymers and the polymers are made of that shit. But basically, these polymers keep, all, keep everything together so it can make like a cushion-like thing. And so what's cool about this thing is how much they tested it is, um, so these this hydrogel stuff, it uh, performed better than existing hydrogels and existing artificial cartilage. And in one test of 100,000 repeated pulls, the artificial cartilage held up as well as the porous titanium material used in bone implants. Hmm. 100,000. I love how they're like testing this shit that much. Well, it's like uh, car facilities. You know, they test everything. Like, I guess anything with uh, a good uh, testing facility will just set up a machine to bend that joint yeah. and that's all that machine does is bend that joint a million times. I, that's the stuff I'd never even think about, but you're right in that if you're really going to create some awesome design thing, you would do something like how long, I mean, you hear about computers like like in, if they make a laptop, there's some dude in some factory somewhere just taking a laptop just like throwing it against the wall once and then just seeing like, does that, is this good? Does this work still? Let's, What's that let's movie try it we- one more time. And then, Black Sheep? Well, no. What's the movie with Chris Farley and he's uh, selling uh, Callahan auto parts? Happy Gilmore. No, I'm joking. Um, that's um, Tommy oh, Boy. Come on, Tommy Boy. I, there you go. Yeah, we're talking about science. Like I had to access my <laughs> fucking movie brain for a second. Uh huh. No, so that's how he takes it, care it, of the bad guy out. in uh, Tommy Boy. You know, he he pushes him into the uh, the chair testing thing where it just drops a, a sandbag on the chair a million times. That's all. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's one of those things that you've watched that movie a million times and you're like a young kid, but now it's been like, what, 15 years since you've seen it? You're like, what? I don't necessarily. <laughs> See, I just saw it like two months ago. Oh, uh, okay. I tell you, this quarantine, I'm blowing through all media. Like, I'm just. Did you watch G.I. Joe right before that and then watch Tommy Boy and then G.I. Joe again? Well, G.I. Joe is on the regimen every Tuesday. It yeah. Just, it just happens. Yeah. 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 Just, just got to <laughs> check it with G.I. Joe gun. Uh, back to this hydrogel, the cartilage stuff. Well, another test they did is they rubbed it against natural cartilage a million times. Huh. And it was shown to be just as resistant to wear and tear as the real thing. And it was more durable than artificial cartilage that we already had. And uh, so that's kind of the end of this topic for the most part, where they kind of go into more where um, getting this approved for humans is going to take probably at least three years. That's going to be my next question. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like, you know, ready out the gate yet, but uh, the next step is uh, basically transplant it into sheep and see if, you know, see if they don't die. Have they Uh, used it on mice yet? (laughs) Oh, I'm sure this came from mice. Uh. (laughs) Like this article mentioned mice, but we all know there was (laughs) a million mice deaths went into this, which I'm proud (laughs) of. I'm fine with. I'm fine with that. Oh my god! I mean, sorry, sorry, mice. I love you. <laughs> we need the science. We need. We need it. Um, and that's kind of yeah. That's basically the end of that one. But that's kind of cool. Like you know, use your joints now. We got like a couple of years. We just replace them. 
which just gel. We don't need to take the whole bone out and put the whole open. Cause I, like, I know my grandma got like knee surgery and I feel like I looked into it. And I, and I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I swear you, you really do it. It's like, at one point they cut your legs off and I know that's wrong. But they do, <laughs> <laughs> but they do something like close to it. They do something like practically close to it. It's like, what? And like, it's so invasive versus this would just be like, just inject it with, <laughs> inject it with shit and just work. <laughs> You think it's going to be that easy? It sounds like you got to like prefab a unit to put in there. A lot easier than what we have now. A lot easier. Wait, so you can just squeeze this stuff like gel. toothpaste? It's but it's not a no. It sounds it's like a it's magic a, gel with magic stuff. Yeah, Harry exactly. Potter. Exactly. Harry Potter did it, man. We'll see how it shakes out. But I don't think it's a a tube you can just squeeze into some port in your skin and be done with it. I'm going to know you probably in five years, and your and your knees are going to blow out, and you're, you're going to get this gel. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at you the whole time. Anyway, I'm sorry to wish that on you. Anyway, I know you're into uh, Calvin and Hobbes, Max, right? I am. I do like them. I do like that duo. Do you know anything about my, my youth. Gary Larson? Does that ring a bell? That name ring a bell for anybody here? Oh, wait. So, the, uh, yeah, the far side guy. He, he, yeah. He's, he's, draw, he's drawing stuff again. I, didn't, I haven't yeah. seen the new panels, but supposedly he's drawing new stuff. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, so... Um, for those, who, out? for those who are not in the know, uh, Gary Larson is the creator of the Farside comic, and that was a comic that was um, syndicated since 1980, and it ended in, uh, what was it, 1995. Had to do the math there. So yeah, it ended in 1995. And since then, um, you can find the work in... Um, collections that have sold over uh, 45 million copies that dude, that dude must have just co- he, he's been coasting since 95 bro that's awesome well for sure actually you know it's interesting he resisted having an official website for the farside comics for a long time oh really until last year in 2019 there was no official farside website wow that is breaking news. Yeah, it's something you don't even think about. That's crazy. So in 2019, he created the website. Um, and then most recently, his latest digital venture is with a drawing tablet. All of his work previous to this were with uh, ink and paper. Oh, wow. He's he's still getting his groove back. Yeah, dude. <laughs> right? And to answer your question, thefarside.com does have new comics. He's going to be... Um, releasing you know a couple at a time and just leaving them up there for a while dude if he had an instagram and he just released like every what two months even he released one new comic he had to be like a bajillion million subscribers i'm glad you knew who he was because i i tested this topic with other people and they did not know well to tell you the truth even though i know what the far side is if, if you had maybe asked me a couple years ago it would have been a little probably drunk and high but like what what are you talking about but since i've seen that like topic a couple times out in the world i'm like oh yeah like so i like i knew his name like as soon as you said it too I'm like uh i think you're gonna say is it bill watterson isn't that calvin hobbs i think so okay yeah i know stuff where does that come from i just pull i pulled that out of my ass i don't even know i know it, until <laughs> I know it. uh so I, I wrote down some fun facts here about gary larson he has a degree in communications so 
a lot of good that did. Oh, you know, I was going to ask you. I was, uh, this, this is kind of off topic. I was going to say, do you think he like went through a divorce or something? Why is he doing all this new stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Midlife crisis or how old is this guy? I wonder. Uh, I don't I know. He's like sixty or something. I have no idea. Uh, Maybe he's probably know he's forty. Well, apparently he doesn't like to be photographed either. Oh, really? God, yeah. This guy's an elusive character. Hey, he's sixty-nine years old. Ooh, the sexiest year. <laughs> Maybe that is it. Maybe he just felt sexy this year, and he's like, you know what? He's like, what? time to get sexy this year. He also has a uh, species of chewing louse named after him. It's the uh, it's an insect only found on owls, and it's called the Strigophilus gary larceny. Man, that is something I would love. Of uh, something that's only found on on owls, you said. Uh, what was it? A, a what? It's a, a- chewing louse. A chewing louse. Yes. Only found on owls. What the fuck is a chewing louse? But you see the idea that like just some minor thing that's just little whatever that's named after you. That is kind of cool. That's oh, yeah. Cool. That's a, a great honor. Chewing louse. Only found on owls. That might have to be. <laughs> oh, you're supposed to laugh too, bro. We're coming back. Like pretend like we never left. God damn it, Sean. Don't you understand? <laughs> That's the whole point, to pretend we, we never left. God Jesus. damn it. Yeah, that's why you go like, ha we're back. <laughs> when you laughed, I was like, I'll edit that out. No, <laughs> I'll just, make this no, seamless. <laughs> I did it on purpose. I'm being, a, I'm being a douche. Here's the story I left off on. So this is a story about your brain. And this, is my, this might fall into the category of things we thought we knew but never really thought about thing. But we'll see. We'll see. So your brain handles perceived threats differently depending on how close you are to the threat itself. Correct. Okay. Well, I guess so, that makes sense given like, it does make sense. Yeah. A, a car crash, you know, two blocks down doesn't really affect me as opposed to a car crash right next to me. Yes. Yes. And this study kind of figures, is trying to figure out why that is. And they're saying that if a perceived threat feels far away, people tend to engage the more problem salt problem problem solving areas of the brain so they kind of sit there logically like oh man that's that's awful blah 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 okay but if a, if a threat feels urgent or up close animal instincts take over al- allowing very little logical reasoning to occur kind of oh. like your fighter your fight or flight response type of deal that makes sense okay i actually like i, was, I got this uh title from uh reddit and i liked some of the comments right away and some of the comments early on were like this could this can almost explain why some people watch a situation like on a video, like something intense and be like, man, if I was that guy, I would have done a backflip and done this and then a karate chop and all that stuff. Versus if you're in the moment where you're like, you're actually getting attacked or whatever the hell. Yeah. That's the whole kind of, that's the whole argument around like watching a horror movie. Like if I was there. Exactly. Exactly. If you were in a horror movie, if I was there, I'd do this, that, and the other, but if you were in a horror movie and the guy was right behind you with an axe, you're so into like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. Like you're just, you're not analyzing like what's the code to the safe that I, I saw from so act one. Or it is whatever. reasonable to assume that you wouldn't, you would have a harder time getting your keys in the ignition. If you were actually in the moment, rather than seeing that person struggle with their keys and the ignition, trying to get out of the situation uh, as the killer approaches. 
possibly, even though in that scenario, I'd be like, I feel like you're so focused on escaping. It'd be like, bitch, you better get that shit. You better get those keys. <laughs> like, in that code. But because that's the only thing you can focus on. You're so focused on something else. You're not necessarily focused. That can almost explain, too, why it's hard to describe, like, your attacker or something. Because at, at the moment, you're so like, I'm just trying to get away from you. I'm not analyzing what their clothes look like and stuff. Uh, and so th- this uh, research actually was uh, also thinking this could possibly be, be a reason around PTSD. And like, there could be a difference where um, if a traumatic event that touches the body, it's more strongly linked to PTSD versus seeing something traumatic, but it's far away. So your body almost remembers something that happens to you personally, almost like an animal reason. And then you're just going to, you're going to like remember that more and more often. Because it says, yeah, it said in the article, clinically, people who develop PTSD are more likely likely to have experienced threats that have invaded their personal space. Hmm. It was all about personal space. Oh, yeah. So this is how the study was done. So this actually leads into like how the study was done. So there's personal space and then there's basically every, everywhere else, in my opinion, as far as this shit's concerned. Cue the, what do you call it? Rick and Morty, personal space, personal space. <laughs> you know, I take personal space pretty seriously up to the point that I don't even care about this. I'm not even interested in having this skin on my personal space. So how they did this, they had 49 uh, participants experience a first person VR simulation that had them moving down either a dark alley or, or a tree lined street. And they lay they laid in an MRI tube having their brain scanned. So they were checking out where the brain was doing as they were going through this VR experience. And they had like sounds and stuff too. And then a threatening character would pop out of the screen. Okay. And would either would either invade your personal space or be somewhere else in the world. And they would just sit there and kind of track your positioning huh. in your brain as far as like what was going off. And what they did on the first day of testing. The, the volunteers received a mild shock when the threat avatar appeared either two feet away or 10 feet away. And then, then I guess they had like a safe avatar too, that, that nothing happened. And so from there on, they could sit there and kind of like all of a sudden go, whoop, whoop, and, and figure out in the guy's brain where close up ones went. So like almost went somewhere, another direction when the far away ones went one more direction, like the problem solving areas. So they essentially taught the brain that this avatar is bad via electric shock. And then, yeah. yeah, And then, uh, measured the brain's reaction to seeing that again. Did it, did they get shocked every time they saw it only when it was two or 10 feet away? They said right in the beginning, they shocked them a couple of times just so they knew it was a threat. And then the second day they said they shocked them again, just to kind of remind them. And otherwise it was just all the brain remembering that stuff. And of course, the, if it invaded your personal space, it almost reacted more intensely, if for lack of a better term. And that, that's why they're saying this kind of like this, all this whole article was talking about is just like PTSD as far as like understanding the brain's response to trauma might help like new therapies in this where uh-huh. you were starting to were like mapping out like what's going on. And what this guy said, he was like, if you can somehow get rid of that persistent threat representation in the cerebellum, you might be less likely to reinstate the fear later on. So hmm. back to like, I guess if it's close up. It just kind of imprints on you more versus far away. Cause you're, you're just more logically be like, Oh, that just happens. And, you know, poor that person versus if it's close to you, it's like, Oh my God, this is happening to me. And it, it sets off the whole other side of your brain. So the brain essentially dictates whether or not a situation is fight or flight or uh, logically approached. 
Like your yes, brain will make that, that distinction. It depends on how close it is to you. Yeah. Subconsciously, I mean, I guess your brain level, is. If you saw like an alien, like alien nuclear holocaust coming, like your your brain would probably be like, oh, that's bad, and do the animal fire flight thing, but. It, it automatically senses, like, you're, I don't know what you're about to say, sorry to cut you off, but, like, whatever the, it just senses, like, oh, this is not a threat, immediate threat, it's just a threat over there. It kind of just, like, okay, let's figure this out. I think that's kind of interesting, because have you ever been in, like, a car crash that just stays with you for a minute? It's kind of the same thing, these traumatic oh, experiences. Yeah, they all do. Yeah, these traumatic experiences imprinting themselves in your brain, and then, uh... Staying with you. So, I, I, you know, PTSD to a lesser degree, of course. I'm not trying to compare no, a but, car crash to no. soldiers. But you're right. Of course. Of course. The answer is of course. But you're right in that it's it's just pretty much anything that impacts your personal space. Huh. Where all of a sudden it's like, huh. It just imprints it. It's almost, even though this has nothing to do with this topic, remember the topic about going through doors and you're going to forget the more you go, more, the more times you go through doorways, the more likely you're going to forget stuff. It's like a weird brain thing where. This is almost, again, if it evades your personal space, it activates a part of your brain where, hey, remember this or be aware of this because this this popped your bubble and your bubble is not supposed to be popped or something. I think the next step to this should be introducing other stimuli. Like they show you the avatar and then they give you a piece of candy. And then they show you the avatar, give you a piece of candy. Show you the avatar, give you a piece of candy. And then they just show you the avatar and see what your brain does. You know, because right now they're testing negative stimuli. Yeah. They could track different areas of the brain possibly and see where those go. And maybe that would help addiction or something because, you know, the pleasure parts of your brain are so intense. Sometimes maybe you can figure if you figured out where that went, you can say, hey, you stop that. You stop. That's very cool. I mean, the more we know about the brain, awesome. I'm all for it. Because ultimately, it sounds like this uh, study is kind of shooting in the dark and it's collecting data, but it, you know, where that data will be used, they're kind of, they're just, yeah, they're collecting data. Whoa. Whoa. Fuck you, pal. I got you on camera. Doing what? what, what, What's the timestamp? Doing what? You you say data all the time and you just said data. I got you, bro. (laughs) I got you. From the earlier podcast even, I even have it as one of the quotes. I got you. I got you. Continue your story. (laughs) I got you on camera saying it. I switch between tournament and tournament all the time, too. You guys give me hell for that. Toynament. It's not. Let's have a toynament of Smash Brothers. That's how he says it. Toynament. How do you spell it? How do you spell it? It's not T-U-R. God damn it. Tournament. Well, it's. You don't take tournaments. It's not a tournament. It's a tour. Nament. Tournament. Everyone knows it's a. It's a tournament. It's a tournament. Everyone knows that. Say, hey, that's all. I'm a tournament. I think all of the East Coast would agree with me on that one, but that may just be an accent. Tournament. Tournament. It's not a tournament. It's a tournament. I don't know. It's like toy. You're saying the word toy. Toynament. Anyway, I'm so, the brain's that cool. I want to see more studies on that. I want to see this study like introduce positive stimuli. Then um, I don't know. Uh, sexy, sexy stuff. Obviously, my brain went to sexy stuff, which is yeah, yeah. That'd be that'd be other one. But, but you know, really test all of them. It may be a fear stimuli where they release spiders on you or some shit. <laughs> yeah, they like just set fires <laughs> up like a plant in front of you. You're like, what, what the fuck? Like, figure out the fire part of your brain. Mystery, would that one do it? Would that one get you? The uh, I can't hear you. 
Oh, your thing's not. I'd rather die. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Any other thoughts on the brain, Max? Uh, That's the end for that topic. Although I I have another brain one. Oh, okay, cool. Well, then here, let me tell you about uh, Planet Nine or a black hole. So we've talked about Planet Nine here before, Planet X or Nirabu or whatever you want to call it. Damn it. I almost talked about it tonight. Oh, this particular story? No, 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 no. Oh, well, maybe you can add to this one. Uh, Oh, Maybe I can. It's going to be one of those topics where we read it once a couple days ago and we're going to pretend we're experts now. Yeah, oh. It's all of these. So uh, the reason we think a ninth planet may exist beyond Pluto is because of some strange orbits uh, exhibited by what they call extreme trans-Neptonian objects or ETNOs. They can't figure out why all these things are doing these things out there. There should be something there. They yeah. They can't find it. Exactly. And so a lot of people think that like a Neptune-sized planet is uh, – out there and possibly its gravity is affecting the rest of these things, these objects beyond Neptune. Um, So recently Harvard scientists have proposed a plan to find out why these objects are so irregular. Uh, What is that plan? So some of the theories suggest that a Neptune sized planet is out there. Another one suggests that a primordial black hole is out there affecting. I've heard that too, where there's like a mini, like a, like a, just a tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny black hole out there. Yes. They that's suspect that's too. <laughs> they <laughs> <But> suspect <yeah. laughs> that it would be the size of a grapefruit with the mass of five Earths. What? That's big. <laughs> that's not tiny. That's huge. No, fuck that. No, no, no. Space, <laughs> as far as the, the actual space it would take up, is the size of a grapefruit, but its density is five Earths. I No, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, the a, a, a a grapefruit-sized black hole is huge in my mind. I, I thought like a microscopic one was out there or something. Oh, That's you're huge. You're talking about like the accretion disk around it and where you know light bends around it, and it, I guess the the gravity well that it creates you suspect would yeah, be large. Dude, they're scary places, and I want that thing to be tiny as possible. And I, I thought you were gonna say like. Uh, Maybe I don't know. That's big. That's big, dude. In my opinion, even though there's obviously there's huge ones, so that's not in the galactic scale. That's nothing, but so close to Earth, it, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. <laughs> so uh, part of their plan, these Harvard scientists, they'll start by looking for accretion flares, which are uh, as the black hole gobbles up objects, the objects split apart and release energy and essentially radiation. That can be tracked. Uh-huh. So they'll look for uh, anomalous radiation. You know, uh, I, I suppose I'm guessing they have a place in the in the uh, outer rim that they're going to start at. You know, hopefully. Yeah, and then they're going to look for the um, the light. But uh, this thing is so tiny. We've had such trouble finding black holes, anyways. That something the size of a grapefruit out there is going to be near impossible finding with the naked eye i mean obviously i mean they can't even they thought it was a planet there they can't even find it and now they're like trying to find a grapefruit out there so you were saying you you were almost going to talk about planet nine or planet x what uh what kind of stuff did you look into well basically this theory was saying that there is no planet nine and all the objects out there all their gravity is just affecting each other oh 
and that's what it is that it's just so far away and almost like it didn't even say this but for lack of a better term it's far away enough that the sun you know is they're in the orbits and stuff but their own gravity is just kind of affecting each other so they just do weird stuff because there's just weird gravity pockets all over because there might be a big object here and small one here but then the they just create all these weird gravity swills, so it's almost like a weird current out there. Okay. And that's just why they're all – and maybe there is no planet. But that was just this this article saying that. See, that's theory. interesting. I wonder if they had this theory back in the 70s or 60s whenever they launched um, Voyager 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. You know, like, why not just send one in that direction, see what happens? Why? Just so it gets destroyed? Well, no, so you can see if there's a planet X out there or a I black guess, hole. But I'd send a mission just for that then because Voyager was meant to just that's escape. True. And that's like just danger. That's danger right there. Danger, danger. Because then it comes back as a big uh, sentient robot demanding the creator and whatnot. You mean V'ger? I'm talking about V'ger from Star Trek, the motion yeah. picture. Yeah, I know stuff. <laughs> I know stuff about Star Trek. Even those fucking podcasts would say differently. <laughs> Motherfuckers. Sorry, you'll have, um, I have a, <laughs> one day. I have um, I have another topic about the brain, actually. Um, so scientists have captured a video of the brain clearing out dead neurons. Dun dun dun. Okay, of the brain clearing out dead neurons. So is it a discovery that we figured out that the brain clears out dead neurons, or is it is it the discovery that we got a video of it? Discovery is we got a video of it. Okay. That's what it is. So we already knew that brains have a waste disposal system, which I like to call the brain butthole. <laughs> uh, this, was, this was not in the article, but uh, I like to call it the brain's butthole, if you will. Mm. And scientists have ma- managed to finally capture that on video, the process for the first time. But it's in it's in mice. Another mice, another mice story. Mm. But still, they did it. It's, it's the first time in a mammalian brain. So it's still pretty cool. And so um, we still don't know a lot about how dead neurons are cleared out or how the brain reacts to them. So this new research could be, you know, pretty good in that it's showing kind of the, the tracks it goes and how it, how other little cells react as it's happening. So dead neurons are essentially caused by like binge drinking and uh, just natural stuff, right? It's not – did they say how they died? Did they say why these things exist? Um, no, they didn't. Cell decay. So again, I, 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 I can give you my, uh, you know, uneducated opinion about how, but like, but you're right in that I think, you know, they always say, you know, killing brain cells, like you're drinking a lot or all that stuff. Just natural age does it. But on some other level, I think it's just cells break down, period. I mean, have you thought about like these, some of the cells in your body, yeah. they're just constantly being replenished and whatever. So are you even, the, are you physically the same person you were when you were seven? Technically, you're like, making new cells. It's almost that theory of if you have a boat and then replace the, the anchor and then the mast, and then this and then that. And then at one point does the boat, the original boat and not a new boat. As long as the do. poop deck's the same, you're fine. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, this also could maybe come up with uh, new treatments for age related brain decline stuff or neuro neurological disorders. And again, like if we knew more about just how the cleanup system works, maybe we can, you know, make it better, make it more efficient, make stop it from happening. So here's how they actually um, figured. I thought this was actually pretty fascinating how they figured this part out. So the team focused on the glial cells, whatever those are, Ooh. responsible for doing cleanup work in the brain. 
and they used a technique called too fatal. Who the fuck knows? So they used a technique too fatal, too fatal, too 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 fatal. Anyway, so but here's what it does: it targets a single brain cell for apoptosis or cell death in a mouse, and then they followed the route via like fluorescent markers. So they basically like I don't know how they did it, but they killed one brain cell of a mouse just one okay and watched how it what happened to it they watched all the other cells around it as it did whatever they did they they tracked it through fluorescent stuff markers so Uh whatever tubes it went down so they really actually started tracking like a whole waste disposal system in the brain i've always heard about waste disposal in the brain because they think maybe it's linked with sleep this article didn't mention sleep at all but have you heard, you've heard? Have you ever heard all that bullshit? Like we don't know why we sleep, blah 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 blah. But we think it's the. I, I, I think we talked about it on the old bakery show, frankly. I where agree. We, uh, yeah, where we talked about like sleeping was a discovery that it's helping cleanse out your old cells of your brain, which is you know good. You you don't want poop cells in your head. You want them out. So through the, the through the the butt the brain butthole, which I want to <laughs> brand the brain butthole. So they observed this uh, through mice, correct? They did not see this in a human brain yet? Correct. Correct. It's always mice. Always mice first. Um, I like this quote, even though it's kind of, I think it's very uh, grotesque almost, but it's funny because (laughs) one of the scientists said, rather than hitting the brain with a hammer and causing thousands of deaths, inducing a single cell to die allows us to study what is happening right after the cell starts to die and watch the many other cells involved. So yeah, that's why I said they since they can kill like kill this one, they can just all of a sudden watch what what everything else reacts to how it works. And so that power I thought was pretty insane. Huh. Yeah. How do you do that? I didn't really go into it. It's it's, it's too it's too fatal or whatever the fuck that I can't it's literally <laughs> the number two and then P H A T A L. Fatal? <laughs> yeah, I think it's lasers. I have no idea. They didn't say it. they didn't go into that part either. Magic. Got it. But uh, one thing, uh, another thing that came from the research is the older mouse brains were less efficient at clearing out dead neural cells, which is something we've already talked about a little bit. Where as you get older, it just all your, almost the reason you age and die and stuff is all your cells just don't get disposed of as much. It seems like. Remember the eyeball? Like last week, we were talking about the red light helps the mitochondria in your eyes. Yes. And that could only just stimulate them and cause them to be more efficient and pretty much it's it, it sounds like they just made them poop out all their waste more it's all waste everything's waste and we just have to get rid of it that's kind of like the end of it pretty much as far as like that topic but it was kind of like intense again i love the brain stuff i hope they find yeah, more no, this week was this this yeah this week was brain heavy some it's weird like I, some weeks are space heavy it just depends on the week of whatever the all right, I'll, I'll, I'll tease something for next episode here. Let me see if I can pull it out. Um, it was a space and brain uh, story here that I had for a long time that I just never touched on. It was about the idea that uh, there's a fluid buildup in the brain uh, thanks to longevity in space. So I'll bring that up on next week's episode. How about that? You're saying that like in a negative context or a positive context and that that's bad if that happens or it sounds like it's bad. There are several side effects, uh, most of which are bad. So if you want to become an astronaut, know that 
the more time you spend in space, the more fluid will build up in your brain and will have consequences once you get back on Earth. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. But for now, speaking of fluid, I want to tell you guys about the Principality of Sealand. Does that ring a bell for anybody? I know all about it. Nope. Can't say I do. <laughs> I'm lying. I don't know anything about it. So, the Principality of Sealand is a micronation that was formed off the coast of the UK. Well, that was nowhere where I was even going to say. Okay. I was like, Sea World, Sealand. Okay. <laughs> so, it was founded in September 2nd, uh, 1967. Uh huh. And what it is, it's like a small facility. Uh, that was built by the British Royal Navy during World War II. The weirdest shit happens in World War II. <laughs> it was uh, used to defend the British coastline from German attacks. And they built several of these things. Are they like from submarine attacks or everything? Or I'm sure they were refueling stations or sonar or what have you. I'm sure they served right. many, many purposes. Um, they were built illegally. In international waters, so that's against all the treaties there. Um, after World War II, they were abandoned in the 1950s, and uh, most of them were torn down to okay to coincide with national law or international. They're law. like giant boats, or they're giant like just land masses almost. Think of like an oil rig. Okay, this one is like a small oil rig without any of the like oil rig equipment on top. It's just kind of a just something a, in the ocean that's kind of always there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So after it was abandoned in 1966, Roy Bates occupied the abandoned facility uh, that sat outside the three mile limit of the UK's international claims. So it, the International law back then said that the uh, three miles off your coastline is international waters. Okay. And since this thing was built seven miles off the coastline, it was technically in international waters. And then when they abandoned it, it was up for grabs. Up for grabs, yeah. So Roy Bates occupied it, talked to his lawyers, and then uh, he did that in 1966. And then by September 2nd, 1967... He declared it a nation with a big ceremony and a flag and all sorts of crap. Like a Pretoria thing from Family Guy. Is that a, do they form their own nation? Yeah, like they found out his house was not technically in America for some reason. <laughs> he carried Pretoria. There you go. So, yeah, the Sealand sovereignty has been challenged many times by the UK. Uh, and since it's, uh, emancipation or uh what am i trying to say founding uh-huh. the uk has since expanded its naval border to encompass Sealand. so it just surrounds it yeah so now it's like a it's a micronation inside a nation but uh no other big nations will recognize Sealand as a you know another nation so it's in this weird microcosm but legally it it kind of works and that's why the UK can't really fuck with it. I was going to say, because I wonder how that works. Because on some level, couldn't they almost, if you went for supplies, they could just blockade them or something? Well, I mean, there's like, I think there's four or five people on the island. Maybe it's one person. The article was a bit iffy on that one. But uh, 
ultimately, it's not staffed very well. It's the UK wanted that shit. They could take it back in a heartbeat. Like, well, of course, yeah, of course. Maybe it's one of those weird things. Like, if ever, if like the whole family left for a day, they could just like, oh, no, you can't come back. But <laughs> but as long as there's always someone there, they have to be like, oh, that'd be awful because no supplies. That person would die. We have to like let them come back. So it's almost like there has to always be a, a hostage on the on the maybe. I don't. I have no nothing about it. So. To help pay for the facility's upkeep and whatnot, they sell titles. Okay. Like for books? No. For people. <laughs> for what? books. What yeah, they just you? come up with a title for your book. Yeah, like you, get, you get paid for it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to now know, Max, Mystery, you are now talking to Lord Sean of Sealand. Oh, you paid to do that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. Now, you may address me as Lord Reverend Sean. Wow. I refuse. No, that's a, that's a big deal. No, I'll do it. Because he's, he's been a reverend for a long time since, you know, the internet existed. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, a few ways he felt. For the audience out there, I am an I, ordained I reverend thanks to... Uh, universalworldministries.com or is it universalministries.com something like that uh, I got it way back in the day and I can legally call myself reverend so that's fun and every once in a while we're all drunk we're like reverend <laughs> <laughs> like he's an authority and so I wanted to add to that title so I purchased lord are there higher titles you can purchase oh dude you can become a duke you can become a sir. I think that was the most expensive for like 600 bucks or something. Dude, that's funny. Although it only is, I think it's only cool if there's not that many, if, if you're like 1000th sir of the, of that place, it's like, nah, now it is just like a, it's like naming your, naming a star after your stuff. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> a level like, is it official? Is it not official? It's like, if it's official, is it not official? I would agree with that. It is kind of like that. Um, but, so this thing only cost me about 45 bucks. And then I, I sprang for the, uh, the framed copy signed by <laughs> Prince Michael. <laughs> and with his like his lipstick kiss on it. I hope so. I was like, you know, I don't want just a, just a printout that I can just print out here. I want something nice. So I got the framed yeah, copy probably. signed by the Prince of Sealand. I hope it's not a stamp. Sea I really Land. hope it's, it's signed. I wish it was a cooler name. Sealand <laughs> is like Sea World, Sealand, Disney World, Disneyland. Dude, Sealand. This thing. It, I don't know it, what to call it, but it has a crazy history. So Roy Bates, before he took over this place, he took over another one of these facilities that was closer to the UK and started oh, a pirate radio. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, and then uh, the government shut him down because they were he was within their jurisdiction. So he just went farther out. Yep. Then he found that farther out one, talked to his lawyers, and declared it a nation. You know this, who this guy reminds me of? Uh. Dale Gribble. <laughs> from King right? of the Hill. Yeah. That's it, from King of the Hill. This is Dale Gribble. This, on some level, like he would be the one who knew all these little nuances. But you know what? I could take that place and be fine. No big deal. <laughs> My lawyers, they're all good and everything. All right, Max. Your play. Time to become a lord or a duke or a sir. I'll be a peasant of Sealand for free. Is that, <laughs> is, that, is that okay? I'll be a peasant. I'll, I'll just work. Oh, do they, can they vote there? 
you don't know it's a dictatorship i'm not a, I'm, yeah true true yeah yeah you're I, in a bad system <laughs> and you paid 45 dollars for it well you know what i think i'm gonna buy a plot of irish uh land and become a laird too so stay tuned for that one you didn't pronounce it right it's irish 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 land uh <laughs> this last topic I have, I thought this this was pretty cool. It's like a new device that's coming out, and I'm all, I'm a hot person. I can't tell if it's from the fatness or just my natural fat, uh, like just heat fat combo, or just California itself is just super hot. Maybe it's global warming. I'll blame it on that. But I'm a hot all the time, and so I guess Sony, you know, PlayStation guys, they are now selling a new wearable pocket sized air conditioner. Okay. Yeah, right. Sounds cool. Okay. This is the one where I want you to watch the little the intro the little video. So I'm gonna post this on our Instagram, a picture of the device and a little link to this video because I think it's so cool. Um, but I'm gonna have the guys watch it. We're gonna edit this out, so just they're gonna watch it just, just so they know what to talk about more. But then we'll talk more about it. Perfect. All right. So you guys just watch the video, and Sean's usually good at describing stuff. Like, what would you describe the device as? I would describe the device as something the size of a cell phone, but a little thicker. Um, it's uh, it's really streamlined. It's it's like a white plastic thing. Yeah, watch the video on our Instagram. You'll see it. I describe it almost like a Apple mouse. Okay, Have you seen, like those really streamlined mouse Apple mice or something. Yeah. And basically what's cool about this thing is um, it's an air conditioner, but they, Sony also said it works as a personal heater and it can, I liked it already just because I thought about putting it in my pocket, but then I guess it also works with a t-shirt. They don't really mention that they show the t-shirt once, but uh-huh. I guess you, you can only wear a t-shirt, you know, you can only wear, you have to always wear this t-shirt to make this thing work. So that's like almost the downfall of the device. But I still thought it was really fucking cool, man, because I'm always hot. And the idea of like, if you could just walk around, I know Mr. E's always going to Comic-Con and stuff. Can you imagine in those hot days, you just like, boom, put that on and you're just walking around. Yeah. But is that thing really going to cool your whole body? That's my concern. Okay. Well, your balls are just your balls. All right. They're never going to get unless you get, unless you get how that can affect your head not sweating like they show in the commercial. What if you get two of them? What if you get two of them? That's my thought. Like, because I already think of like I put one definitely on the taint and then one (laughs) (laughs) and then one under my neck for sure. Okay. And then then yeah. So here's the real science behind this. Like, I have two trains of thoughts on this. Um, First of all, the the placement at the neck is crucial. Because how many times have you cooled yourself down with like an ice cube or whatever? You rub it around your forehead, but inevitably you go for the back of the neck. Yeah. Because the back of the neck, yeah, transfers the heat or cold all over your body. It gives you that feeling. It's a very sensitive area as far as that's concerned. It's a good area to to, to have the cooling on. I agree totally. Yeah. Just just that shirt pocket thing sucks. That's the one thing I'm like, man, you have to wear a special shirt? Like, what is this? Some mormon underwear stuff like what is this <laughs> like special shit all your shirts like, have to be from sony now yeah right that's what that was the one part of like God, i don't like that feature i wish there was like a well so something. i've I don't know. seen i've seen a device like this before and uh what this is is um have you ever had like a something that keeps things cold but doesn't use a refrigeration unit much like your cpu uh, there's a fan on top of your CPU 
that is the fan is sitting on top of blades of metal that lead down the to the sink. CPU unit. And so what that is, it's a heat sink that takes heat from that area, that CPU that's generating heat, and then the fan will suck air out or blow it down. I'm not sure which, but the uh, fins help transfer the energy. More surface area, blah, blah, blah. So that being said, that's what this is. This is a, I'm sure it is, because it's just a simple piece of metal that would. Is it thermoelectric cooling? Is everybody talking about thermoelectric cooling? Because I, I have that word. It's like it, this is it's using thermoelectric cooling, and because I was trying to look into it briefly, but I don't know what the fuck I'm ever talking about. Because uh-huh. I was wondering, kind of, I think are we? Ta- I think we're talking about the same thing. Where I was wondering if it's using like Freon or like I was. Is this like is this a fan or is this blowing cold air? It's something that's blowing cold air. I don't think and so. I'm wondering. You don't think? So? I think it's totally blowing cold air. I think it's thermo. It says thermoelectric cooling. It I has think- to be, otherwise. Otherwise, who, who gives a fuck if it's a fan? Like, we have fans. Because here's part of this article. It mentions that Rion Pocket is the name of the device, Rion Pocket, uh, from Sony. It reportedly cools the wearer's body by 23 degrees Fahrenheit. I converted this, all this from the Celsius. So 23 degrees Fahrenheit. And it also can raise the temperature 14 degrees Fahrenheit. So it, if it's not a fan, that's a, I, I've had – I remember that thing from the – remember – Remember that bullshit I got from the fair? I took to, I bought something from the fair. I got screwed out of it, and I took it to Sean. So he thought he could work, make it work, and he was like, "This is a piece of shit." I'm like, "I know it is." I'm a, actually, my, my my aunt bought it for me. It was a gift. I didn't actually buy it, but I, I felt bad about it because it was kind of expensive. But it was like it was like basically they were probably just, you put ice in the bottom, and it was a fan, and they were saying, "Hey, yeah, it'll cool your house," and it doesn't. It just it's basically a fan with ice at the bottom. It's crazy. Now, so the your the fan keeps it cool um it keeps the plate cool the heat sink cool and mm. that and essentially it's if that heat sink is cooler than your skin or the ambient air around it then you're gonna feel that in your neck and your neck is gonna feel colder and that's gonna transfer to the rest of your body i and in order to heat it up all you have to do is apply electrical heating to it which is easy we know how to do that mm-hmm I think so. Uh, that was the device that I saw previously years ago. They came out with it, and what it was was it was like a big unit that fit over your neck, yeah, and like hugged your neck, and then it would create the the coolness on the back of your neck via that system that I was just describing. Um, but if it's the same system and it works just as well, this one's really cool. But maybe they can come up with some sort of. I don't know, Velcro necklace or strap or I don't know. I like that. Yeah, because the idea of having to wear their shirts. Yeah, that's garbage. The shirt pocket thing. That's that's really annoying. The whole device itself looked great. And like I said, it it was like the size of an Apple mouse. And oh, here's some more features about it. Um, Obviously, on the video, you can see it connected to your phone. So you control it at all times. And the battery life is 90 minutes. Okay. So that's cool. That's cool. I know it's not ideal because I'm again back to the scenario. If Mr. E was using it at a Comic-Con, you'd have 90 minutes and you can maybe turn it off and on. Wouldn't that be nice? And so you can – every time you went outside, you just like kind of put a little air conditioning on. You don't, you, don't bl- you don't buy it. I don't buy it one bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> With a wig on and a leather vest, there's no fucking way. And standing outside in San Diego heat in June, there's no way. Or July. Well, 
I would I would say it definitely would be better, but again, I would agree. Me, you'd have to wear that shirt though, which actually would add another layer. And yeah. with the whole, you know what I mean? With the whole other layer, it would almost add to the heat that you're trying to get rid of. For but sure. Yeah. But I don't like the idea of the shirt combos. I mean, I guess you could dress up appropriately, but still. Uh, but okay, so here's here's something weird too. It's a 90 minute um, battery life, but it, with it takes two hours to charge. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Okay. I don't know. That's what it said. That I've never is heard of that. Weak. What? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I, I was sitting there too. Like, am I on drugs? Like, I've never heard of something that usually it lasts longer than the charge time of, of anything. <laughs> it's the whole point of charging it. Might as well have it plugged into something. That is no, it's like those RC cars back in the day that you had to charge for like 16 hours and they <laughs> ran for like an hour and a half. And yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. Nickel cadmium. Yeah. It weighs uh, three ounces and it uses a USB-C. And then here's the final question for you guys. Now that you've seen the video, What's how the price much point? does this thing cost? <laughs> exactly. I want, I want all... Fuck it, all three of you here. I want everyone's. I want everyone's opinions of this one. Let's see. I, I want someone's price point. Maestro, you're there. I see you. Did you hear this? Are you walking away? You better hear this. I've What's been your... listening. I you I... didn't send it in a in a chat that I actually have access to. You know what's funny? That's why I want your answer first because you have you're just only hearing. <laughs> well, based off of what you said, I don't know if it's actually fan technology or there's actually a compressor involved. But if it's just a fan, it'd probably be like eighty bucks, sixty to eighty. Nate, say one. You have to say one. Oh, I, wanna, uh, I would say sixty-eight bucks. All right. <laughs> Which one do you want to go next? I'll go. I'm gonna go higher. I'm gonna say like I'm gonna say two hundred bucks. All right. All right. Ho, Sean. I go one dollar, Bob. <laughs> By the way, this is not prices right rules. Oh, really? Okay, hang on. No, no. <laughs> um, I, I, I want I want closest is closest. I'm gonna go. I think they're keeping it cheap with that battery, so I will underbid Maestro. I'll say forty, but it's Sony. Yeah, fuck it, it's forty. Based off these scores, not prices right rules. I'd say Mister E is the winner because this is a hundred and thirty dollar item. Okay. Nice, which is reasonable. I thought that was a reasonable price too. I, I overall, we're all we're talking a little bit of shit about this device, but the idea that I think it does blow cool air. I would like let's look let's look, we'll look more into it. You guys make it sound like it's a big fan. I think it, it definitely blows cool air. Otherwise, how can it lower your fucking your degrees by twenty three? It's not a big so fan. Multiple- God damn it. You said you you thought about it. Uh. I had a okay. So a friend bought me a USB fridge for my desk. Okay, it I was, tried one of those too. It was big enough to fit a beer can in. Yeah. That being and. said, you open the door, and then there's um, a big space at the bottom for all the electronic gizmos inside, and then a metal plate sitting there that you set your beer on, and. All that was happening was that metal plate was connected to those radiating fins, those just straight fins, long fins sticking down from it in a row, forming a heat sink that a fan would interact with, either sucking air or blowing air onto it, I'm not sure which, but that would transfer heat away from the metal, cooling it down. I I want to say that's kind of what's happening here. 
but I don't know. They're... Maybe it's so sleek. You're probably right because I mean I don't. But then no I'm looking at this. I, I just looked up thermoelectric uh, cooler, and uh, the images are not what I'm describing. So I could be talking straight out of my ass here. Well, this, that, that was because I I tried to look more into it. Honestly, the thermoelectric cooling, and all I read about it is that it's it's like not the most efficient way of cooling stuff. But at the but it sounded like it on mass scales. But this is such a small scale that it sounded like it worked. Hmm. And I think that's almost like the weird thing where I think it does blow cold air. And the idea that a little mouse-like thing blows cold air, I can put it right on my balls or, or on, my, on my neck on a hot <laughs> fucking day. That sounds amazing to me. Like a little portable cold air device instead of a, instead of a portable fucking fan. You know what I mean? So... I, I want to believe that this is how it works. And does I it, hope it's that. Does it say it's coming to market soon? That's the whole point. Yeah, it's actually available in certain Japanese uh, websites already. Oh, it's, okay. You can buy this under $30 or 14,080 yen. Wish.com. Let's get the knockoff version being, for like being 14. Being efficient, it w- I don't think it would be using air. It'd be They'd be cooling some type of liquid. You think there's, you think there's liquids in this device? Yeah, if it relies on contact, like you're saying, place it somewhere on you. I have, I have no clue. Can we just call it, it just, magic? And that's again, that's I what have I not actually seen it. <laughs> Instagram, check it out. Oh, and by the way, I think I won that game. No, dude, it was. Oh, what's closer to sixty-eight? What? Because he said two hundred, so that's seventy. So is sixty-eight closer to one thirty? That'd yeah, be 73. <laughs> oh. Wow. Whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying a hair. <laughs> really splitting you know hairs what? there. You no, know, you know, I love that. No, that's great. He is right. Sorry, Mr. E. He is right. And under my rules. <laughs> oh, shit. But I, I'm actually laughing because like that's how the that's how the show would have aired, like like if, if this was a real contest. And then later on, he was like, "Actually, um, I I'm right." The game it would, it would, yeah, I would have been sued. <laughs> I was thinking all that. I'm like, "Oh man, what a blunder!" I was like, I, "This is I cannot ever have that mistake. I would have to hire a guy now every time I do these things." But Meister's the guy. That was, that was a that was a fun guessing game. So that's all I got. But uh, that's all I got too. I think that was a good one. And next episode, you can look forward to hearing why. Uh, spending a lot of time in space could be bad for your brain. Yeah. And also, next time I'll tell you the adventure, the time that me and Sean went to buy high heel shoes. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Please keep in mind we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed here, we encourage you to research them for yourself. Let us know if we miss anything. And as always, submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter, Instagram, at btmt underscore podcast and please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.